3: Live from the 6th and Peabody Studio and across the Outkick Network,
2: this is Outkick 360
3: with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski.
4: Third hour is here, Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. We say hello to everyone listening across the radio network and viewing across our uh, streaming platforms, YouTube channel, Twitter. Uh, Facebook, and much more. You can give us a shout on Twitter and on social media, Instagram, at Outkick360. Uh, Shout-out to David Reed, the chairman of the board, making it happen for us back in Music City, along with uh, the entire uh, casting crew. Tyler Castle, Ryan Albanese, Jakob Swanson, um, and uh, Corey Taylor, Becca Risley, um, Danny Coughlin, and uh, Kelly Dixon and Lauren O'Connor out getting it done. It takes a, a village. Long
1: list. takes a village. And we a appreciate so all of
4: them. Dylan Taylor. Yes. Dylan. Dylan who, getting it done here
1: at the Super Dylan, Bowl. Dylan, who us. shared meat with me last <laughs> night. That it. was very odd. Shared meat at meat. Chad did a lot of sharing last meat.
3: night. Yep. We shared a. Uh, <laughs> oh,
1: that's right.
3: We shared a margarita sampler.
1: We did. Yeah.
3: And, and really, then he <laughs> shared a steak. He, he didn't have and, enough sharing. And so had then he no a steak.
1: problems uh, drinking after one another either. Just went, no. went right
3: for it. He yep. had a little straw that had some uh, salt on it, special salt straw. Mm-hmm.
4: Chad, what is the latest with Alvin Kamara and uh, legal issues right now in Vegas?
3: Well,
1: he's been arrested for assault uh, in Las Vegas, and the official police report is out now where essentially. He was at a casino I've never heard of, uh, this casino. I don't even know. I guess it's an off-strip casino. Uh, In a nightclub in this casino, but it was at 5.50 p.m., walked out of this place, was going to the elevator. Uh, A man approached Alvin Kamara and his group at the elevator, and according to the, the, the victim, is saying he tried to get on the elevator with Alvin Kamara and his group. Someone he's identifying as Kamara shoves him out of the elevator, and as he fell to the ground, his crew and multiple people started kicking him outside the elevator, and he's got a fractured eye, uh, orbital bone in his eye that may require surgery. Eye can't open right now. Uh, had to seek medical attention, and because of that, Alvin Kamara uh, was arrested on, on assault. A terrible situation, and the Las Vegas police report said the video that we obtained backed up his claim.
3: So I saw some Said initial that we saw, stuff. We saw
1: a group attacking him outside the elevator.
3: I don't know if this has been clarified as to what time the uh, alleged victim came forward to the police with this because they were apparently – they came to get Kamara right after the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I'm, I'm
1: unclear on the timing of it. When he went to the hospital and then when he also filed charges, I feel like there's a day – there's a day gap, 24 hour gap. There, he went to the hospital immediately after being attacked, and then they picked up Alvin Kamara, and he, you know, there was no resist or any resisting from right. him. Uh, he went with authorities the next afternoon.
3: Well, they would clearly after the Pro they Bowl, they would clearly know where he was at the end of the Pro Bowl, but they would clearly know where he was at the beginning of the Pro Bowl as well. That's speculation, but it's out there as to. Uh, or there's some questions out there as to why he would have been let to work on Sunday afternoon if the accusation had been made on Saturday, Saturday late well, late it, evening. It's a bad
1: situation for one of the superstars of the NFL, and, and you brought it up about the state of the Saints right now, not good uh, with that roster. They don't have a coach. They've yet to hire a coach, and now your best player on offense okay. is in quite a bit of trouble.
4: Yeah, and, you know, the, the the team itself is not going anywhere fast. I mean, I, with John Payton out and thinking about the, the situation, trying to find the new coach, many think it's going to be Dennis Allen, but Eric bien is also interviewing for the position. Um, they are in salary cap hell coming up. I mean, the, the worst situation moving forward. Uh, second is Green Bay on the projected cap. Um, number 1 is New Orleans. They 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 have always kicked the can down the road with Drew Brees and then they've handed out money and a bad contract to Taysom Hill at least the quarterback portion of it. I know it kind of varies Paul with Taysom Hill on what position he's labeled as. Yeah. But it's just not a it, it, they you know they've got wide receiver issues. Uh, certain guys don't want to play there anymore. I mean, it, it's uh, Michael Thomas. So uh, in someone's at- inheriting
3: a mess yes. when
1: they when they take over. Yes, the, there's got um, to be a cleanup that has to be done.
3: On this story, you know, it's been a long time. The the, the concerns over the NFL in Vegas have gone away a long time ago. But a lot of people who questioned it, or the league for a long time, was very hands off about Vegas. It wasn't just about gambling; it was about lifestyle. Uh, yeah. you know, they were worried about turning <clears throat> young, rich athletes quote unquote loose in Las Vegas. This story is the kind of story people said you were gonna see if professional athletes yeah, were in Vegas. Now but the these Golden Knights are uh, here anyway. Right. And the Golden Knights have been in in, in Vegas and this is yeah, this isn't this isn't the Raiders doing something in Vegas right. who live there. This is uh yeah, you had the rug a game president in. this year. But
1: yeah, but, I, but I, this
3: is bringing the best NFL players to Vegas. It could have happened in anywhere. You know, it's not going to happen in Hawaii, probably. It's <laughs> well, a that, lot more low-key,
4: right? That's fair. It, I, I, I mean, if they're going to do it in Orlando, these guys wouldn't have played in the game. Right. So, I mean... You've you, got
3: to draw you, them to the game in some way, shape, or form. If you're going to
4: the Citrus Bowl, uh, these dudes will stay at home, and the 100th and, and third pick in voting would be a starter in yeah. the Pro Bowl. No,
3: absolutely true. They've got... We, we just have to get rid of the game, I, uh, do the skills competition, and connect it to honors, I think. I've yeah, said that for years. But
4: the thing, the, so it's, it's clockwork. It's every year right after the game, people mock the game, and I don't watch it. I don't watch the Pro Bowl because it's not a game. It's a two-hand touch glorified scrimmage where if, if you're there and you're, you've got the kids and you want to go watch your favorite players, it, that's fine. I'm not begrudging the fact that it can be entertaining for your family to go check it out or watch it. But I I also see the ratings, and the league sees that too. And when they're pulling the numbers that they're pulling just by putting on a glorified flag football game, I don't blame them for continuing to run this back, no matter if, they, I mean, it's not like um, the, the top, the, the very top stars, some of them did play. I, I was surprised Mahomes did. And, you know, I, I think props to him and, you know, others, Kelsey, for doing it. But you guys get my point. I mean, yep. Mac Jones is one of the quarterbacks in this game, not Tom Brady. You know, so.
3: Yeah, somebody's got a counter program to it, or the NFL's got a counter program to itself, and the ratings are good enough that they're not compelled to But they to do had, you so. know,
4: Vrabel put uh, Diggs, Stephon Diggs back at quarterback, and they, you know, they ran this play where he's going to be sacked, and they just run right by him on purpose, and then he completes a pass to a tight end. And as the tight end makes the catch, the whistles blow, and the play's dead. That was the game yesterday, and I saw that on a highlight on, on Twitter that the NFL tweeted out. Some people are into that. Kids are into it. I, that's fine. But, the, you know, I, I'm not sitting here mocking it. I'm saying I'm just not watching it, and millions are. Well, they should declare
3: it like a no-tackle game, like t- tag just out. declare
1: it a no-game. Yeah, and I, do, I'm and for do, that. A, do a skills competition. Do something other than that. And I'm not going to be a hypocrite when it comes to this. I haven't seen a single highlight. I haven't glanced at a television that had it on at any point. I have not right. seen a thing. And if people are going to continue to complain about this game, don't watch. The
3: skills competition Because could you're be right, the so ratings are there. Better. People
1: complain, and they they're still posting about the game they're watching. If you hate it so much, just do what I did and don't even glance at it. I didn't even read. If there was well, we something traveling too. about the Pro Bowl on a tweet, I wouldn't even read yeah. it.
3: My kid enjoys the skills competition. He's twelve now. I taped it and we watched it for the fourth or fifth year in a row. There are some interesting things there that they could do a lot better, and it could be a lot better. It ends with a dodgeball game. Now, how's this sound for an NFL production? The dodgeball game was shown from here. This one static camera angle behind one of the end zones of the dodgeball game. Virtually the entire dodgeball game was shown from here. Then after it was over, they showed a couple like isolation shots of a great throw or a great catch or a great dodge, like it was produced after the fact. This is not live. This is all pre-taped. But for NFL to put out an hour-long skills, uh, skills competition program, and to have the dodgeball competition, which is sold as like the three-point thing at the end that clinches, and is somewhat compelling. Hey, here are some of the best athletes in the NFL playing dodgeball out of their element but showing up their athletic skills, and we're going to show it to you from one camera angle? That's very NFL-like. It's a well-produced product, generally. This is the worst produced element of an NFL product I could ever think of.
1: Yeah, that is Why? odd that they would only have the one camera angle. Um, unless they're just putting everything towards Super Bowl coverage.
3: Also with <laughs> all kinds of it's already of out and weird ahead of lines, them. I have no right? idea. So they play inside the yellow lines, and then later it goes inside the the red line. But there are also all other kind of lines on the field. Like, why wouldn't you have a clear space to do well, that? Well, here's,
1: here's what we're doing now. We're talking about dodgeball. <laughs> this is what the NFL does to you. I mean, the fact that, you know, that that's – that's what we're talking about. But, uh, if this Everything is the alternative they to the, that the Pro they touch, Bowl, it's
3: it's it's it works for whatever reason. If this is the reason. alternative to the Pro Bowl, they could do it well. But, but, but the they're pro, declining to do it well. But my point
4: there is, it doesn't need to be an alternative to the Pro Bowl. They're going to do both because they're doing enough on the dodgeball to make it work. I'm not interested in it, but I'm not again. I'm not begrudging people who are because clearly there's monetary gain in some way there. Also, they they want this weekend of coverage, much like they want their games on five days a week, uh, you know, from Thursday to Saturday, Sunday, Monday night football. Um, they're doing the same thing with the the Pro Bowl weekend to dominate yet another weekend. And then, you know, they get five to seven million, or whatever the number is, watching that, you know, th- that crap. It's
3: very unlike them, though. They They're concerned with the quality of TV and production and all of that. And then this game, they're just like, well, we get ratings, so we'll keep doing it even though it's crap. Well,
4: that's not very unlike them. I mean, uh, Titans-Jags in 2016 or 2015 would get the least number of cameras available for that game. And then, you know, the Titans would play on Monday Night Football and they'd get all the bells and whistles.
3: Yeah, but it's still met a uh, minimum standard that made for a Reasonable television product, but
4: it's they don't treat every they don't treat every event the the exact same way. Is my point just, to them? It's just dodgeball.
1: I'm tired of the game, and Not I'm tired of complaining so the about the Pro game. Ball. To be honest, I, I just you don't have to watch TV. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> well, like on a Sunday afternoon, I don't understand. You're free from the NFL. Yes, Vatican. it may be the best thing that's on or the most popular, but you don't have to have your TV on to watch that. And then if you're watching it and you're complaining about it. What are you doing? You complain by not watching it. That's how you complain. Don't watch it, and it'll go away.
4: Well, but the, the other thing is, like, clearly people enjoy it.
3: There's FOMO, I think, too.
4: I guess. I mean, uh, there's there's definitely no FOMO in the Olympics
1: right now with the numbers they're pulling. I yeah, mean, 55% down
3: from the last Olympics. I'd like to be seeing it. I think it's foolish scheduling. It should be starting next the, the Friday after the Super Bowl. Well, they, they don't. It's, it's a global event. I mean. I understand. But the U.S. is the biggest part of the globe in terms of eyeballs and TV well, sets. Uh, yeah. Well,
4: there's nothing on this past week. Yeah. It, yeah the that's past the week we're looking was good.
3: At. But this week, I don't know. A lot of media is. No, I'm saying we're not it's, big not, enough.
4: it's not about the media. I'm talking television ratings are down 55%. Nothing was on this past week. The Olympics started yeah. you know, on Friday. It's also
3: a big problem like uh, the the time difference. We talk about it, but I think the, the more often they I do, do it now, the time difference kills. Well, they were just, my a, wife they has, were just
1: in Tokyo, and it's 55% down know, from right. that. It's the same But I, I time think zone. the longer
3: we go with it, the worse it becomes. And then my wife has the TV on a little bit. She sees some of it during the day, so I'm not going to watch it at night because she's seen the highlights of what went on during the day already, so we watch something else. How many houses is that? something like that happen or you know the results and you're less inclined to watch. I don't know. I wanna be into it. Well the fact it's in China doesn't help.
1: Yeah. Absolutely not. I mean that's well, it's, that's it's a so big part of this story and it's a very uncomfortable it's not even a balance but uncomfortable discussion with people that are over there and then people back home and watching it and what do you talk about, what do you not talk about? It's it's a weird, but I still don't it's a weird wanna, dance.
3: I still wanna hold that against the American kid who for for, for four or eight years was working for this moment, I want to see them go and have their moment and, and do well or you know, see their, their story or whatever, which is so, usually compelling to me. Why this time is it, is it not drawing me? I don't understand it, really. Well, it usually does. I it, usually get sucked into it.
4: I think it's the China factor and then the fact that you don't know these people anymore that are representing your country.
3: Well, oftentimes you, you don't, don't you until you see them. Well, Michaela Schifrin, I'm interested in. She's been well marketed and stuff. I've been on the road. I would have watched her fall. She fell the other day in a well, giant slalom. If I was home, again, I would have seen
4: her. America's not traveling right now. That, that's my point. And it, 13 point, uh, so Wetzel says 13.6 million. That includes all digital aspects. 13.6 million tuned in for the first Saturday of the Winter Olympics. Um, that's compared to 24.2 on the same day four years ago in the
1: 2018 Winter Olympics. So that's a drop of 43%. Well, and also, you know, the the COVID element of this, I saw where an American male figure skater can't participate because he popped positive for COVID right before his final skate. And I'm sorry, but do we think they're playing by the rules? (laughs) I'd like to see the amount of Chinese athletes that are being disqualified from events for testing positive for COVID. Do we really think that it's a coincidence now that, now that an American that's in contention <laughs> test positive for COVID? That's, but that's not what you want in any athletic contest going into it, even if they're playing by the rules on it. You don't want that sense of impropriety. And, what does, and that's always going to hang over China in any event that's going on yeah. in that country. And
3: what does this mean for the Olympics uh, long term? Like, Because the rights fees are enormous— Building up your city to host one is oh, enormous. I've said be this crippling. before. I think it's it's kind of crazy now to say we're going to build up the infrastructure to host this event when most of it is useless to you after the fact. So I, I've proposed, you know, you've got a reasonable rotation of cities you can go to now. Stay, you know, go back and circle back to those cities. It doesn't cost as much to, to refurbish those to use them again. But are the Olympics for our kids, Chad, going to be what they were for us? I hope so. I mean, I, I love feel the Olympics. like not.
1: Like, I, I love it. I mean, when they come back to the United States, there's going to be a buzz. When it's in Los Angeles for the Summer Olympics, there's going to be a huge buzz about an American-hosted Olympics. Uh, but it's, it's China. I mean, I, uh, that's, that's the biggest reason for people not watching because if you say time zone, well, I can point to Tokyo,
3: Japan, people watched.
4: And Russia. Yeah. 2014 from Russia. So, But so the I just Thursday don't see
3: holding it against an American kid there that it's in China. I mean, I'm not wild about it being in China, but I'm wild about the U.S. success story.
4: I mean, I'm watching it last night a bit just because it's on, and I, I felt like I was watching something that was new. But, again, I'm not invested in it. And you're you're saying, are, are the kids now going to be in as invested? The, 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 the guys, the, the women who were invested – Years ago are not invested now who have kids. Well, they just don't
3: watch TV. Kids don't watch TV in the same way.
4: Everyone's releasing these daily ratings, comparing it to the same day on the previous Olympics and going back to 2014 in Russia. So there were over 20 million households who tuned in to the Olympics on Thursday, and 7 million did it this past Thursday. That's a no big, it big you know, drop-off. It's a baseline of just people who are solely interested in the Olympics and that's it instead of the storylines. And, I, I, again, it's, it is bizarre to NBC's see the massive drop-off. got to be, off.
3: I mean, just ailing at that.
1: Well, the yeah. good news is they sent hardly anyone over, so their expenses are way down. They've got about three people there. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is calling it from Connecticut and their studios there for NBC. So Mike Tarico's there. They've got Rebecca a geopolitical Lowe. expert. That's next to him for almost everything on China relations. Uh, there's not a lot of people that made the trip.
3: But the pay- people calling events at venues, aren't, no, aren't they're mostly remote. There? They're, they're a, calling yeah, they're, on a TV monitor. I yeah. hate that too.
4: Well, part of
1: the reason
3: would is you they, go to China and they, cover that?
4: They released a COVID protocol that I was
3: not
1: detailed. I mean, I, there was good, no, for, good for Mike Tarico, but I'm not going over there and submitting to a month quarantine or whatever it is to go.
4: Well, there's no rhyme or reason to how long you're in quarantine.
1: Yeah, you I've really don't that. know
4: when you're getting out, yeah. or what happens when you're there. Uh, you know, the 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 athletes are complaining about the amount of food uh, whenever they're quarantined out. You know, going going to and from the, the games. George Walker's the there.
3: Our our buddy from Tennessee, and a photographer. I don't know what events he has. I pray for I've his safety post on uh, Facebook. I
1: hope he gets back safe.
4: Yes, absolutely. Uh, coming up, we discuss more of the matchup that's happening right here in Los Angeles. With super bowl 56 bengals and rams put some other headlines including the new coaches across the national football league later this hour ryan leaf will join us here
2: on outkick 360. what's up everyone it's nick wright and i got something exciting to talk to you about today angie your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well now angie isn't just your average home services marketplace Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. A question as
4: we come back to Radio Row Super Bowl 56 on Outkick 360 across the Outkick network, Outkick.com. And I feel like, Chad, we could ask this question daily and it could be referencing something else that's happening at the program. What is going on? at Auburn. We, we, we asked this at the end of last week and it was for something completely different with the coaches leaving. Now it's about the coach that currently remains as the head coach.
1: So Auburn released a statement today and uh, the statement basically says that we are collecting information from a variety of perspectives and decisions regarding the future of Auburn will be made in the interest of our great university. Why release a statement? They keep talking about we're not going to do something based on online social media chatter. Then why are you releasing statements based on online social media chatter if, in fact, that's all that it is? It is a very, very strange situation, and Auburn's making it worse by updating people with these official non committal statements about Brian Harson. We're collecting information while our coach is in Mexico on vacation. And we'll let everyone know if he's fired or not when we're done collecting this information. Derek Mason leaves. Other coaches leave. Twenty, I think the number's up to 22 now. 22 players from last year transferred away. Derek Mason, by the way, contract details came out at Oklahoma State. Took a $400,000 pay cut to get the hell out of oh, Auburn. Wow. 1.5 he was making as defensive coordinator at Auburn. 1.1 million now at Oklahoma State. So he was willing to take a $400,000 cut Whoa. to get away from Brian Harsin. A lot. It's a strange situation uh, on that campus, and this mixes in with the fact that their basketball program under Bruce Pearl's number one in the country and is going to be there uh, as of today, and the latest AP ranking is going to be there for another week at least.
3: I can't see why you don't come home from Mexico to get this thing sorted out unless you know that uh, you can enjoy some time in Mexico before you come home to get fired. Also, what is there to sort out on his end? I mean...
1: I don't know what he would do. He's going to go in and defend. I mean, he's already defended himself to Chris Lowe at ESPN with quotes about, I came here for the long haul. I didn't come here to lose. You know, I'm committed to this program. We've had to do some things and all this stuff. Cussing about stuff that's out there about him. I mean. But there's a daily. There's just a
4: with your. uh, Paul, you're right. I mean, with the. With Auburn releasing these statements after saying that they're not going to let online like rumor and innuendo water. affect how they make decisions with their campus, and then they're releasing statements response. based <laughs> on all that. I just can't. They're, they're looking to fire them with cause.
1: Yeah, I can't remember a time where a school would release statement. This is the second or third time. This is maybe the first official statement, but their school president released yep. a statement or a quote to someone about it. Also, where they were gathering information, but they continue to release these statements about gathering information without just doing it, whatever they're doing. Like don't either, tell us you're gathering. Either come Go back gather and it. say, hey, uh, he's our coach, or come back and say he's fired. I mean, the Bobby Petrino thing, Well, I feel oh. like there was some reports out there about him about to get fired, and then it happened quickly. I don't remember. Can you guys remember a time where a school just kept without an NCAA investigation? That's one where you'll have a school say, we're doing our own investigation, we're aware of the allegations, we take them very seriously, blah, 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 blah. You see that a lot. I don't know that I've seen a time where a school's just outright saying, we are doing the research to see if we're going to fire our coach after a year or not, and we'll get back with you when we make a decision. And tomorrow,
3: but, will they say we're continuing to gather information?
1: I don't know. We may get a daily
4: update. Well, what it does, like, so if you're not going to respond to every rumor that's circulated on social media which is what they said at the end of their statement uh, we do not make institutional decisions based on social media posts or media headlines well by releasing a statement you it it gives some validity to the rumors
3: absolutely oh absolutely and i mean it, I mean, it,
4: it adds validity well, doing validity exactly so what they said they're not okay doing and and by doing that though it continues to keep the story alive and float and, and afloat and that's to me, that's what they're trying to attempt to do. I think they're looking to get rid of him. They, just, they want to fire him with cause. I think they That's want the to, only way I can view this.
1: But I also think that, yes, they're trying to see if they have the evidence to fire him with cause for some of the more salacious allegations right. of this. But they're also looking into why did 22 players leave? Why are players uh, po- uh, posting on Instagram about how you treated them like dogs? Why does seemingly every coach – want to get out of here. Why did you hire a coach that had to leave two weeks later for offensive coordinator? I, I think they're looking at the totality of it while also investigating some of the more salacious allegations to see if there is cause, if there's grounds to fire with cause. That would be my guess on what's happening right now. But I, I feel like he's, he's a dead man walking. I, I mean, do he's done.
4: I, I, just, I don't know why they don't just say it. Well, what you can do while he's in Mexico is you can be behind the scenes. I mean, they would never admit to this part. They're not releasing a statement about this. You can be figuring out your exit plan and who's taking over the program.
1: It's I mean it's a a little part of it. It's a little bit to me like the Jim Harbaugh situation on the opposite side. So Jim Harbaugh goes and publicly interviews for NFL job and then has to come back when he didn't get the job and say, oh, I'm fully committed to Michigan. I'm, I'm here for life now. That this is, this is the job that I want. I'm not going to do that again. Well, now, if, even if Auburn were to release a statement and say, Brian Harson is our football coach. He is our coach, and we made the right decision. Is anyone going to believe that? No. Just like they don't believe Harbaugh, no one's going to believe the Auburn administration that they actually have the back of their football coach, who, according to some players in that Auburn roster, they're undergoing chemo right now for all the cancers in the locker room. And Brian Harson's mm-hmm. just the guy to do that. Not everyone hates him. There's players defending him also. It's a strange situation. Only at Auburn or Tennessee would this happen. I mean, those are that's, – that's programs that at times will get kooky. And we're seeing it right now down in the plains.
3: It's got to feel like uh, – every hour's got to feel like a day for an Auburn fan right now. Uh, You've got to get this thing resolved.
4: And what can you do at this stage? A coach. You're I'm hiring saying,
3: a you know, young, hungry guy. You
1: start looking across the who's you, leaving their job right now. If you're if you're hiring an active head coach, I, I mean, I guess a the lot University of, of San for Antonio guy. Yeah, I mean, a lot, lot would for Auburn and the SEC, but it's a, it's, a, it's an odd time to be in the hiring game. But think about what if you, you're if you're a I, school. And
4: well, I understand you you'd leave for the SEC, but you're leaving for the SEC West. And as you start to stack up all those coaches, would would you leave? In February?
3: Would Bill O'Brien leave? Would
4: you leave in February to go join Auburn and, and start your program that way, knowing that you're about to lose? <laughs> uh, you start stacking up the coaches. Or would you wait a year? Because you've got your signing class. If you're, if you're in a position to get, an, uh, to get an offer from an SEC school, I'm saying, if you wait a year, you've got your signing class, you have your team in place to, in 2021, then you make the circuit.
3: Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone. I'd go for those two. Uh, again, like, uh, here's what I would do. I'm, I'm going to throw
1: a complete curveball in there. Um, bring Tommy Tuberville on uh, in the Bob <laughs> Stoops role for a year and say we'll yeah. hire a full-time coach in a more traditional way next year and go ahead and sign contracts and retain the assistant coaches you like and keep them with Tommy Tuberville, just like Bob Stoops went and won a bowl game uh, as the interim coach at Oklahoma. I don't think that's possible because I'm pretty sure Tommy Tuberville's an elected official <laughs> still right now. He's a politician. Uh, but that would be very Auburn of them to bring back Tommy Tuberville to do that, who I'm pretty sure lives in Auburn still also. Yeah, he does. And I I, I know
4: there are people screaming and saying, of course you would leave for the SEC job, you would leave for Auburn. And maybe that's true. I just don't think it's set up for a, for a coach to, to make that leap and have success. Well,
3: you've got to get the pledge of time and all that, which we know ultimately is meaningless. But well, Especially at Auburn. On the front end. Right. You've got to get assurances.
1: Gus Malzahn beat Nick Saban more than any other coach and was always on the hot seat every offseason.
4: Yeah, and they – I mean, if you start looking back at when they fired him, they
1: they made the wrong call. I'll say based this about – certainly going, made the wrong call take, based
3: on who replaced him. Well, right. who,
1: who would take this job to me if it's not someone that's just without a job right now? You could go get coaches – But the ones that would leave their job right now for just an enormous pay raise aren't the ones you really want to hire in the long run. What I mean by that is if you really want to go make a splash, you're going to have to pay someone who can get paid a lot at their current school because they're that good, because that school will find a way to pay them, maybe not Auburn money, but give them almost everything they want. Instead, you're going and look at the, the lowest end, well, of, what of, you're saying. of FBS football and trying to find the guy who, oh, it's a no-brainer. I'm taking the Auburn you're, job because I'm getting a lot more money.
4: What you're explaining is exactly what Louisville tried to do with Bruce Pearl in reverse. You're trying to go find the Bruce Pearl that yeah. ultimately doesn't get the raise that Bruce Pearl just got from Auburn. And
1: will he? You go find the Derek Mason yeah. that would take a $400,000 pay cut because he just wants out of the current situation. And there there I, are good coaches out there that I'm sure are unhappy at some spot that you could you could talk to even one, in this odd time right now to hire a coach and go find someone. Is this the one job that Lane Kiffin doesn't want? <laughs> well, Lane Kiffin would have to first ask how much NIL money are we right. spending here yeah. after he said, you know, that some of these S E C West schools are spending five and ten times more than <laughs> Ole Miss. Um, by the way, I'm pretty sure NIL played a part in Jackson Dart, the top quarterback transfer, going to Ole Miss. Maybe what he's saying is we only have a budget for two or three big-time players. Quarterbacks and receivers. Where Texas A&M can pay everyone six figures that comes in on campus.
4: A couple of NFL uh, news and notes as we uh, sit here and broadcast live on Radio Row uh, at the L.A. Convention Center. Um, New head coach in Miami is Mike McDaniel uh, from the Shanahan Coaching Tree and has been with Kyle Shanahan uh, throughout – Kyle's entire pro football career. Everywhere he went, he brought Mike McDaniel with him. That's the only coach that he brought with him on every stop. Um, most recently, the run game coordinator for the 49ers. Which
3: off. is a terrific compliment yeah. to McDaniel. If, if Bill Belichick had trouble texting relating Brian and Brian. Imagine the trouble he may have texting relating McDaniel's and McDaniel. <laughs> it could be texting trouble coming for Bill. This might not be over.
4: I get the sense, and maybe maybe I'm I'm reading too much into this. I don't think Mike McDaniel is a Belichick guy.
3: I doubt it too. I but just imagine, I think, just imagine Bill's talking about. Maybe them. I'm wrong. He doesn't have to be now, talking to them. He could be I talking say, about them
4: uh, I think, to somebody else. I think Steve Belichick is a Mike McDaniel type guy. <laughs> <laughs> but not
1: Bill Belichick. Yeah. I mean, I, I
3: I think that's well done.
1: I like the hire because I'm now way more interested in the Dolphins than I otherwise would be because of the experiment of, of Mike McDaniel. It's going to be fun to watch that. I love the – you were going through some of his highlights of his press conference clips, his Zoom meetings. Yeah. My favorite one was I saw it uh, – uh, I went down the, the, the wormhole of this and saw it <sighs> late at night one night. But this guy had a really long wind-up question that he was asking. He was like, hey, you really show a lot of personality, and it's really different, and we don't talk to a lot of coaches that are like you, and it's amazing. Did you think about that when you took this job, that you were going to be that way? And his first response was, so what I'm hearing is you think I'm very funny. (laughs) That's how he started his answer, and then he went into whatever. What do
3: we think his comfort level is going to be in a suit at a podium?
1: He looked great coming off the jet. I know that. Yeah.
3: Styling?
4: Yeah. He looks the part coming off the –
3: Shades?
1: Uh, norm, shades, norms about hair. wardrobe are completely out the window now, now that every college basketball coach wears a quarter zip uh, during no, games, I which know, I know, but still every,
3: every NFL coach is wearing a suit at his presser. Maybe it's not this guy. Presser. Who knows? Well, he said he's wearing it coming yeah. off the oh, plate. Oh, he is? Okay.
4: But, yeah, he looked good. Maybe he'll, he'll, I, mean, I, I give him props. He cleans up well.
1: Maybe he'll change into a Matic, first, Maui, a Maui check, gym shirt. First, First check. check. He's going to have, a, like, a Miami Vice-type Mau- Maui Jim shirt on for the press conference. I, re- I really want him to succeed. Tommy Bahama.
4: I want him to yeah. succeed because he goes against every norm we think of yes. on, in coaching. Not just NFL, just in coaching. Like, I, th- I think he would be an outlier for, uh, for college right now. Absolutely. We've got, we got right. Ryan Leaf coming over. Okay. We have Ryan Leaf uh, coming up in just a couple of minutes. He's going to sit down with us. Looking forward to this chat. He joined us over the summer, and he's joining us live from Radio Row next on Outkick 360. We're back on Radio Row Super Bowl 56. Our coverage from L.A. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad all of you are with us this afternoon. We're here all week with Outkick.com and Fox. Ryan Leaf is here as well. Needs no introduction, let's be honest here. Heisman finalist. Uh, He's
0: been been on our show multiple times. Great dude. Outkick Uh, legend. Outkick (laughs) legend. Yes. I want to know this. Go ahead. I want the – I want the invite next year. I want to go on some of these amazing trips you guys go on the weekends to these campuses and stuff like that. Put that in your boss's ears, all right? We Leaf can, wants to come along and be a part of the little one request. game day. We
1: can, we can make out kick the tailgate uh, with Ryan Leaf at a stop, probably work at some point. I'm sure. Would, sure. Would what that.
0: would be the top
4: three stops for us if we were doing the, the, the Pac-10, the Pac-12 tour?
0: Uh, Eugene, for okay. sure, on a game number day. Number one? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's number one. It's, it's pretty darn good. U um, Dub is a is a really neat venue. You get to you get to sailgate. You guys could do the oh. show out on a, oh, on a yeah. boat going up to there on Lake Washington. That's a pretty fun one. Um, but I I, I I want you guys to experience that. I want to go down and do some. I want to go to Death Valley. I want to go do some things that I've never got to experience in college football that you guys got to experience this year, uh, be a part of. That's that's kind of the stuff I want to do. So you of. did
1: experience the Pac-12 uh, work with the Pac-12 Network. Course a, a great player at Washington State. Are you worried about the future of the Pac-12 when you look around at what's happening in college football with these alliances and you got Texas and Oklahoma headed to the SEC? What does the Pac-12 do next in football?
0: No, I'm not. I think that they continue to uh, recruit at a high level and they're going to put together a a, a competitive conference. Now what's going to change if this doesn't change is the expansion of the college football playoff. That's where I start to worry a little bit because then they become – irrelevant in the eyes of everybody else. They just dismissed the Pac-12 conference because they just aren't playing for that. And in a year where a bunch of new teams played for a college football championship, Mm -hmm. now ultimately the two teams that, that played for it all were the same. Which, but if you get 12 teams, 16 teams, you're going to have more interest. Uh, your conferences are going to be in better shape. Coaches aren't necessarily going to be fired as quickly because they're going to have time and they're going to have opportunity to get into that college football playoff. When we're talking about four teams and where two of them are usually used up right away with the likes of Clemson and Alabama in those instances, you've got a pretty small window, and that's why people look at the Pac-12 like that and make assumptions pretty quickly. What
1: helps, too, is what's happened right here in L.A. with Lincoln Riley. At USC. Yeah, that, that to me, was not just big for USC, but big for the conference with him bolting for the
0: Pac-12. When USC is good, the, the conference yeah. is respected. It just, it, it bottom line is, same when UCLA is great in basketball, right, and which is happening right now. We're seeing a resurgence in that. Pac-12's got a very good And core. Arizona yeah. helps. Then when those two are at the very top, yeah. then it's the best. Now, if you can have Oregon and USC going at each other in terms of brands in the Pac-12 conference in football, then you have some respectability around the country. Ryan Leaf with us on Outkick 360.
4: Um, if we had NIL and the open transfer portal
0: available in your era you're with the Kooks, would you have left? I would have. Uh, I've told this story before. I got into an argument with some old linemen in the uh, 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 in the weight room. I threw, a squat, I threw a squat bar at them, and I walked right up to the head coach's office and told him, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. But – You don't have to do that now. You have that moment where you have that impulsive nature when you're 18, 19 years old. All you have to do is walk into the compliance office and go, put me in the portal. And they have to. You don't go see a therapist. You don't talk to a coach. You don't do anything. It's immediate. And the impulsive nature, I would have been gone. And I would have been stuck. And the best thing that ever happened to me is to fight through the adversity that went on there, uh, not being handed the starting job right away immediately, fighting through it, uh, best decision I made was going to school there and accomplishing what we accomplished the n l i side of, the n l i uh n i l side of it uh we were doing that on our show the other day, and we thought that uh that that last year we could you know I probably could have made like three million dollars we think some some, some oh, way think or about or the star I'm, power I'm sure yeah.
3: yeah how dangerous is it we 're all talking about top guys in it right, but then you got junior who you know didn 't play uh his sophomore year. <clears throat> All his family and his friends are telling him he should have played. He should have played. He's getting bad advice. He goes in the in the portal, and there there's nowhere f- for him. And and he he should have stayed. He might have worked his way up the depth chart, gotten his degree, and instead he's done.
0: Yeah, I I I've dealt with a lot of families uh, the last couple off seasons uh, when their kids are trying to make this decision and this choice about whether or not they should do it. And I always tell them that. It is predominantly a quarterback transfer portal. It always has been. Uh, You are not guaranteed a a scholarship wherever you go. If you go anywhere else, you may be asked to walk on then, essentially. Um, The grass is not always greener. The one-time transfer rule because of COVID and everything like that is made for the Wild Wild West this year. I think things will calm down a little bit. But I also want them to understand and know that, hey, you may not and most likely will not play at the professional level. Therefore, if you want a chance to play and you think it is an opportunistic opportunity somewhere else to play, then by all means go do it. But understand there are consequences to any action that you take, and you may never play football again. Here you know what's going on. You kind of know the score. You know where you're at, and you know if you work hard enough that you can get on the football field here. But if it's not what you expect and it's not what other people are telling you in your ear and you think you can have a chance to play college football for one season – because you'll never play again, then go do it. Go do it. Take that chance. Bet on yourself. Uh, but understand there are consequences to every action you take.
1: How therapeutic has Bust the podcast been for you, just you with a microphone telling your story?
0: Well, I do it a lot around the country, and in particular in front of college football teams. Head coaches asked me to come out every fall to do part of that. And so when I was talking with my producer, Kevin Connolly, we were just kind of discussing what something like this would look like. And I said, we can help a lot of people if we can get it out there. And I just need a platform to do it. And he's got a really big platform. you know, He was on the TV show Entourage, and he's been acting for his entire life, and he's very good at what he does in production-wise. And so we sat down, and we we recorded about you know 25 hours' worth of content and then put it out in 10 episodes. And it's my story. It's me and a microphone. No one's doing it in a podcast form, right? They always have guests or they have different ways to create different content. This was it. Uh, I had an unbelievable editor in Trevor. Uh, And and then we put it to to a a soundtrack a little bit. And it was produced is what it was. And it's it's been exceptional. We can't believe the overwhelming uh, response from people. And and we are helping people. The response that we're getting from people who have taken it in and have helped uh, change their lives uh, has been really impactful.
4: Did you pretty much write a book and then your you're reading as you do the podcast, or is this
0: just sit down and let it rip? It was just me sitting down, and let it rip. I've I've told my story so much.
4: Yeah, I was gonna. Add, so, you, did you did you feel like you had told it to a point where you had everything out there in the open, and then maybe you learned something as you sat in front of the microphone with no one in the audience?
0: Yeah, I talked to a couple of my friends who know my story really well, and they've listened to the podcast and they heard some new things. So it was it was more of an opportunity to do it in long form because when I go yeah. tell my story uh, in a public setting. Whereas you've, you've been a part of and heard me do it. Right. It's, it's limited. It's, it's, it's yeah. truncated a little bit.
4: And I don't want to say rehearsed. It's not rehearsed, but you've told it before. It so is, you, know, you know when to lay
0: on the certain lines of the story and how to build up and to. And how long to go. And I also understand fully what my truth is, right? Yeah. Before in my past, and, I, and, and, and there were rabbit trails of lies I told other people, and I had to think about, okay, I told this guy this. I had to make sure and follow it up with that. Now it's not that. It's just this is the story. I know what it is. It's my truth, and I can do it with my eyes closed. And I just didn't know if I was a good enough storyteller to be compelling enough for people to, you know, listen to it in, in that kind of form. And 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 they have. So I learned a lot of things about myself and and how we can impact the world with with our storytelling.
1: How did you get hooked up with E from Entourage? Uh, uh, that was that was my question. You said Kevin Conley's your producer.
0: Yeah, we just we became buddies here in Los Angeles. I mean, the people you can meet in Los Angeles. I've lived here for the last six years. Uh, and we became buddies, and we golf buddies, and we spent some time. And he told me about this, this Action Park Media podcast company it started. He started to kind of uh, reboot Entourage, his show. They they revisit it in in podcast form and episodes and stuff like that. And I said, hey, I have an idea. We pitched this show to to Showtime and HBO and a bunch a while back called Busts, and it was me interviewing athletes who had high expectations who didn't meet them, whether they were. Uh, uh wrestlers or um or mma fighters boxers basketball players everybody else and i was going to do the interviewing and well, i thought we had it sold and when we did and things kind of dispersed a little bit during the pandemic i kind of rebooted it or retooled it in a different way and i said well if we're going to sell this we got to have something to show everybody and why don't we just do why don't we make it my story I, i'm the most prepared to tell it right now in terms of being transparent uh and accountable so let's go do it um that way, and then we can take it to other people and say, "Hey, now let me go out and see if there's somebody else who wants to utilize their platform to tell their story themselves." And uh, and hopefully, that's what will come from it.
3: Do you ever search out guys who uh, come up short, like you're you're talking about? I'm thinking of uh, Isaiah Wilson, who was a disaster in Nashville. Antonio you know, Brown.
0: Ironically enough, I you know I reached out to Isaiah uh, a bunch last year, and you know just just. Unfortunately, no response, right? Until you're ready, it doesn't matter. Like, if if I could have got sober in my parents' time frame, it would have been years and years and years ago, right? Sometimes it takes what it takes, and then hopefully they're still here on this planet before uh, they finally get it.
4: Ryan Leaf has been our guest. He's going to be in Nashville. I don't even know if he wants me to say this. He's going to be in Nashville soon, and we're going to get him into our studio. Love Nashville. Uh, for a long and extended And apparently on the
0: road in the fall now. That's too. right. So, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Death
1: Valley, here we come. We're
0: going to go explore the tour. tour. We're
4: yeah. going to sell gate with Ryan <laughs> Leaf this fall uh, on the West Coast. It's been a blast for day number one. Ryan, I appreciate you, man. You bet. Good we're back you. at it tomorrow for Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network.
3: Don't block the box, do lock the locks.